what I think is, is necessary with this, what we'll call the psychedelic renaissance, is a cultural shift. You know, it's a cultural shift where we are not just popping a pill and the pill is solving our problems, but we are working with our own psyche, but with the right tools, we want to take responsibility for our own healing. And that's the invitation in this cultural shift that I think psychedelics are hopefully going to help facilitate it. I turned 50, y'all, and I started a podcast. Really, age is just a number. It comes down to how we choose to live and the choices we make in our life, and those things accumulate. Don't let the programming of life keep you from doing things every single day that, that make you happy. When we feel good, it's easy to think good. Life is not happening to you. You are your life. You are happening to your life. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we are tackling microdosing psychedelics for health optimization. And today, my guest is John Robert Downs. And John is an entrepreneur, an investor, and an advisor within the cannabis and psychedelic industries and a peak performance and mindset coach specializing in integration and microdosing. He helps entrepreneurs, founders, executives, and creative high achievers transform and increase performance ease suffering, and create lasting fulfillment by embodying their true purpose. He discovered plant medicine in 2015 and began his own personal healing journey incorporating psychotherapy, men's work, microdosing, embodiment practices, and the deep study of philosophy, archetypes, and the neurobiology of optimal states of consciousness flow. Wow, that's that's a lot, John. You are up to some really, really interesting things. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the 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 bio doesn't exactly flow off the tongue when we think about all the different aspects that are coming together that helps inform my coaching. But uh, I'm really grateful to be here with you today and to have the opportunity, Joanna, to speak with you and your audience. So thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Um, as we were just saying before we hit the record button. I think this conversation is really important because most people that I interact with, I'm not, we are definitely not in the same circles. Our circles kind of overlap a little bit in the sense of, you know, what we're involved in and what kind of people we're, we're um, connecting with. But a lot of the people I'm connected with don't he even have any understanding of what microdosing means. I mean, I think, you know, you could guess from the name that it just means a small amount, but how much, what, why, what's the purpose, you know, where does this conversation begin? Um, and so I think it's a really important, um, distinctive, um, conversation that we need to have. And I think you're the person, perfect person to have it with. Um, and you can provide a lot of context as well. Um, so, I, what I want to start with is I'm sure people notice that in the news and in social media and in kind of the general, um, you know, conversations that are happening around the world, there is a lot more talk about psychedelic, uh, psychedelics, um, mushrooms, um, specifically, I think are really at the forefront. Um, we've kind of checked off the box of cannabis, right? That was like, the last seven years, we went through that whole process. Mm -hmm. And now the focus really has been changed to um, psychedelics such as um, uh, psilocybin, um, 
you know, magic mushrooms. And so it's, it's coming up in news stories and articles and magazines and social media, as I said. So we're hearing about it. And what do you, what do you think, what is, what is causing that resurgence? Why are we now, you know, in the last however many years or months having this conversation now as a culture? Yeah. Well, I think cannabis taught us a lot that over the last couple decades that we've seen legalization progressed state by state and the world hasn't ended, the sky hasn't fallen, but we've seen mm -hmm. the tip of the spear for having a conversation and having folks that have spent their entire lifetime propagandized by the war on drugs to have a conversation about why cannabis might be legalized. It, it comes down for medical reasons, you know, for compassion. Um, for end of life care, uh, palliative care around cancer. Um, and then of course, you know, there's a whole host of folks that we wouldn't even consider terribly sick or ill, but are somewhat healthy, but are trying to optimize their life. And they found that, you know, a little bit of cannabis, uh, could be very beneficial in helping with that. And so this is a conversation that's been ongoing around alternatives to mainstream medical, uh, mainstream medicine for a couple of decades that has in a sense, uh, well, desensitize people to this idea that like, well, if, if it's a drug, if it's cannabis, it's bad, or if it's mushrooms or LSD or psychedelics, it's bad, which has been the standard refrain for the better part of 40 or 50 years. And so as we've seen with cannabis continuing to progress and legalize, it started to open up conversations with, um, with people about the medical benefits of, of psychedelics. And I see that happening in a very global nature, just looking back and, and seeing, I also see it in my own life, you know, where I was in the cannabis industry, just like you were working to legalize this industry from prohibition to regulated. And I started to come in contact with people that, you know, didn't seem like crazy hippies or, you know, we're going to run off into the hills because they, they'd done some mushrooms, but they were actually very caring and conscientious and kind um, and some of the most beautiful people I'd ever met. And they were talking about how they had worked with these compounds with psilocybin, for example, you know, in their own healing and their own consciousness expanding journey. And so just like a lot of people, myself, you know, I came, I came to these medicines really with a lot of fear and trepidation and started to see that, well, because, you know, what they told me about cannabis wasn't necessarily true. And so maybe it's not true what we're hearing about psilocybin. So against that backdrop, you know, we have now 40, 50 years of anecdotal evidence of the benefits where mindfully used uh, psychedelics can be very powerful and impactful tools for personal and spiritual development and, and mm -hmm. growth. And so against that backdrop, about 15 years ago, we started to see a resurgence in research, looking at, from a clinical perspective, the impact on psilocybin and MDMA uh, and, and other classical psychedelics on PTSD, on uh, addiction and depression and anxiety. And what we're learning is, in, in the clinical studies, is reinforcing what we all kind of seen from anecdotal, you know, uh, trip reports mm -hmm. that these, in fact, used mindfully with the proper set and setting can be very impactful, powerful medicines. And 
And what we're also learning uh, at the forefront of this movement is that you don't have to you know, take a big trip. You don't have to go on a huge journey to necessarily reap some of the benefits. You can do a microdose, which would typically be 10, 5 to 10% of what we would consider a full therapeutic or uh, dose where you're taking a trip. 5 or 10% of that, it's not perceptual. You're not affecting your vision. You're not affecting yourself in a way that you can't go on with your daily life and do all the things that you would normally do uh, in the course of living. And so with this microdosing now making psychedelics more accessible, there's a ton of interest because people are hearing from their friends. They're seeing the clinical research of the impact, the positive impact of psychedelics in larger doses. Uh, and they're and they're curious on what it can do for them. And it's an exciting time. It's a really exciting time because people are open to learning about this new realm of of care. Mm -hmm. It is an exciting time. And you were talking about the clinical research um, that has been really accelerating. I think you said over the last fifteen years has that been the time frame or so? But it really started. What in the and I don't know the history really well, but I know that that there was a lot of studies going on. What in the in the fifties and the sixties, um, and then at some point, I think during what the Nixon uh, administration was it Nixon who like, you know, made everything you know taboo and shut all shut all the research down, and so and so there there was this period of decades where the psychedelic research was was stopped in its tracks and and kind of frozen in time until it was kind of reopened re, you know in the last decade and a half or so yeah. and books have been written on this and it's infuriating when we look at the political decision yeah. to ban psychedelics I and mean, then it was a result of really the you know they escaped the lab um, there was a ton of research happening in the 50s and 60s around the positive mm -hmm. impact of uh, psilocybin and LSD, uh, MDMA. Mm -hmm. And what happened is when we saw the cultural movement of the 60s and the Summer of Love and Timothy Leary coming out and really just you know saying psychedelics for everyone, um, this is, you know, tune in, mm -hmm. uh, turn on, tune in, I can't even say tune in, turn on, drop out. But anyway, the, drop yeah, out. the, you know, this, this created a cultural movement, which of course, you know, was, we all are very familiar with, but what, you know, yeah. and so that's what we focus on. If we're looking back at the history books, we see the summer of love, we see Woodstock, we see Timothy Leary, but what we forget about is the preceding couple of decades, the fifties and sixties, there was a ton of clinical research on the efficacy mm -hmm. of psychedelics, mm -hmm. treating these conditions of PTSD, um, uh, addiction in particular with LSD, depression, anxiety. And so that research, um, went underground. And it was only happening in, yeah. you know, very covertly. And there's a lot of very brave people mm -hmm. that have continued to shepherd this mm -hmm. movement forward over 40, 50 years of prohibition. And I just, you know, my hat is off to them and my heart breaks for mm -hmm. everyone whose life has been affected, not by adverse reactions of psychedelics necessarily, but by getting caught right. with them, um, you know, by, by the state. And so what we're starting to see now, yeah. though, is that especially coming out of COVID, as we see mental illness on the rise, we know that we're in a mental health crisis. We, we know that we're in a crisis of opioid addiction uh, with deaths rising rapidly. And so we're looking for answers. And so, you know, right. sometimes just like bell bottoms are going to go out of fashion and come back in, you know, things that we might have seen previously that have gone out of fashion, you know, now are coming back into vogue. 
uh, and with good reason because they they really do truly work. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to you know wrap our heads around and and understand this scientifically. You know, under what modality does it have to always be a, a large dose? Could it be a mini dose or a micro dose? You know, are there mm -hmm. different ways that we can work with these medicines that can facilitate healing and personal self development? Mm -hmm. Right. And what you're really speaking to is, is how can they work as medicine, right? As plant, uh, well, not necessarily plant medicine. I mean, psilocybin is a plant, but LSD is, is lab created. Um, but how these psychedelics can actually be medicine. And as you briefly mentioned, they can potentially have great efficacy, but very low um, side effects when you when you use them properly in the right, as you said, set and setting, which I think is really important because the psychedelics in general have been really demonized in our society and made to seem as if you know it's going to ruin your life and and end your life and make you go crazy or whatever the things. It's all you know. It's it's um, built up. Uh, of really nothingness. I'm sure there are some side effects to some people in certain settings and and all of that, just like anything. But um, I wanted to to get back to what you were saying about the the levels of microdose. Um, you you were mentioning five to ten percent of a full like trip dose, and and um, it would be considered a microdose. Is that the official? Um, definition of a microdose, five to 10% of a full dose? That's the rule of thumb. And it's going to vary a little bit for okay. each person. For some folks, you know, it, it might be 5% of, of, a, of a gram or 10% of a gram of mushrooms could be a right microdose, say 100 milligrams or 150 milligrams of, of dried psilocybin uh, cubensis mushrooms. And so, or, you know, whereas a tab of acid, uh, you know, which is generally considered a full trip would be a hundred micrograms, you know, a, a microdose of LSD might be 10 micrograms, which would be 10%. So once you get down into that mm -hmm. five to 15% range, let's say around 10% uh, as our bullseye, each person has to adjust based on their own chemistry, how quickly they metabolize the medicine. Uh, there's a little bit of, of, well, there's, there's a lot of, in, you know, individual making sure that the the dosage fits for the person. Um, some folks are, mm -hmm. are more sensitive. Some folks are less sensitive. And the point is, of, is to find that dose that is sub-perceptual. You're not overtly affected, but you're feeling a mood enhancement. And I describe the desired effects to clients. You're looking for that feeling of when you heard your favorite song on the radio uh, the sun's on your face. You just have, you're excited and optimistic about your day. It's like, you just kind of feel mm -hmm. you have a little extra boost, a little pep in your step. And that's mm -hmm. what we can um, hope for when we're microdosing and we're in a good cadence with the medicine. Uh, and and mm -hmm. so on the other hand, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be side effect free when you're microdosing. Mm -hmm. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, the, the beautiful thing about psychedelics, I think in, in many instances is, you know, the desired effect and the side effects are actually quite similar. You're just going to feel more feelings. You're going to have the energy of the medicine interacting with your own psyche. And so it could be that sometimes the feelings that you feel, it doesn't feel like your favorite song on the radio. It feels like a sad song. And now you're, you're being called to sit with those feelings of, oh, I'm feeling sadness that's present here. It's not overwhelming. I'm not, you know, depressed or crying or, you know, wanting to jump in bed and not get out. But it's like, 
I'm feeling that something is here. And so now we come into the importance of you know, integrating even a microdosing experience. We all know the importance of integration when we sit in a ceremony or we're going to sit with a therapist who's going to guide us through a full journey with psilocybin or LSD or MDMA. We understand that we're going to go somewhere. We're going to you know, have that journey come back, you know, go somewhere within our psyche. And then we're going to you know, try to bring back those lessons and integrate them into our life. And that's where the real work is. It's the journaling. It's the meditation. It's the mindfulness. It's all that stuff that grounds what we learn in that psychedelic space into our life that makes the big impact. But it's the same with microdosing. And so when someone is microdosing, it's still just as important to have practices in place to help integrate what it is that they're feeling through the course of a microdosing protocol. Oh my God, there was so much in what you just said that I was just enthralled with and I want to unpack. Like, First of all, like how would a person determine whether or not they would want to go the traditional dosing route? What do we want to call that? A macro dose, a standard dose? Uh, what, what is the term? What is the language for that? What do I well, say? Well, let's define our terms. We've got mini, we've got micro dose at the small, small end, and uh-huh. this is that five to 10%. And then we have the mini dose, which is where you're not, you're more than a microdose, so you're feeling the medicine a little bit more overtly in your system, but you're certainly not in a place where you're out of control or you're, you're losing yourself in the medicine where you would need a trip sitter or a guide. This is where we would get into a more full macrodose, you know, a full trip. And so there's a, there's a spectrum, there's a range, m- microdose, mini dose, and then macrodose. Okay. So Go ahead. Yeah. And so how does somebody know if they should mini dose, micro dose, macro dose? Like, what do I do? Right? Right. Hey, I right. always will tell my clients, like, first of all, like, what do you do when you meet somebody on the street? You know, you shake your hand, you shake their hand before you kiss them. You know, if if you're romantically interested in this person, you're probably going to kiss them before you sleep with them. You know, there's a, there's a natural progression where you're building rapport, you're building a relationship. And so I think it's the same thing with psychedelic medicines. You know, it's like build a relationship with these medicines. Start with a microdose and feel what it feels like to have just a teeny tiny bit in your system and work with it for a while that way. And then maybe if you're feeling confident, you know, take half a gram of psilocybin and go for a walk in nature and you know, it's not so much that you can't still be completely coherent and, you know, but you're going to feel a little bit more. You're going to, you know, visually might, you know, sense this felt sense, this ineffable sense that, you know, everything's, well, obviously everything's alive around you, but that you're a part of it. And, you know, that you might, you know, feel it more viscerally. And then ultimately, if you feel like there's more work to be done, more to uncover, then you can move more into a macro dose where you're sitting in a full ceremony, a full therapeutic dose. And then that's where you have to start to you know, bring in even more uh, diligently the importance of having the right trip sitter, you know, the right setting, the right setting, the right intention, ensuring that you've been screened properly, that you don't have family mm-hmm. health history of bipolar or schizophrenia. Um, you know, the psychedelics mm-hmm. are not for everyone, right? So, you know, let's be clear. Right. We're not advocating that everyone rush out and try psychedelics, whether it be a macro, mini, uh, or or microdose. What I'm saying is that, you know, with the proper safety protocols in place, with the proper screening, and then all after, you know, the proper integration, you know, these can be impactful. So to summarize, start slow, uh, start low, go slow. 
always good advice. Mm-hmm. You know, dip your toe in the water mm-hmm. uh, before you you know jump into the deep end of the pool. It would be my advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And and the the clinical studies that are that have been going on and are are currently going on, um, are those mostly in the um, macro dose level? where it's with they're doing a macro dose of let's say psilocybin for example with a therapist um in what you're calling a trip sitter and then doing the entry is that is that typically happening with a macro dose right now the 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 studies yeah most of the research is being done around full macro dose uh large larger doses exactly there are some studies that have come out for micro dosing and they're inconclusive you know, some are going to show that mm-hmm. microdosers have higher, uh, better out- health outcomes, that they have lower anxiety, lower depression, uh, better mood. You know, so there have been some studies that that point to the efficacy of microdosing. And you know, there's been one big study that came out last year that said, you know what, it's all placebo effect. And it's right. just it's the power of the placebo, power of the mind to believe that this is helping you, but that's what it is. Well, the the jury is out. And, and so far as what, you know, clinically mm-hmm. will we'll come back with the research and anecdotally user reports, so many people are benefiting. And if there is some placebo effect, you know, I say, why curse the placebo effect? You know, ultimately, right. you know, there's something we call the law of reactivity, just where if, if you are paying attention to something, you will, even without necessarily setting a goal to improve it, just by paying attention and tracking, you'll start mm-hmm. to improve. So if you begin a microdosing protocol and with that microdosing protocol, you begin to pay attention to your sleep habits, pay attention to your diet, your mm-hmm. hydration, um, your, are you journaling, meditating, all these things. A lot of times people are very determined, like mm-hmm. I'm going to start microdosing and I'm going to do this as part of a overall health and wellness overhaul. You know, I'm doing this to make a change. Nobody's microdosing just because, I mean, you're not taking a trip, you know, there's no, there's nothing, you know, really that exciting about it. It's just, it's a, it's a vitamin, it's a supplement. <laughs> so why are you doing it? You're doing it for transformation. So when you're calling in that transformation, if there's some placebo there, if there's some intention, I say, great. But I also suspect based on my experience that it's more than the placebo and that the research will bear that out. Yeah. I think that that's a really great um, analogy or, uh, that, uh, of a supplement. It's like microdosing, let's just say psilocybin is, is kind of like taking a supplement, whether, you know, I take vitamin D, I take, you know, um, a B, a B complex for, or, you know, and magnesium I take at night, whatever. And, and these things are not like silver bullets that are going to like change my life instantly, right? They're little pushes, they're little pushes that help my body do what it wants to do naturally, but maybe better, maybe more easily. Like, as you mentioned, being in flow, you know, being just nut, it's like a nudge, right? And, um, and, 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 and the way you can look at it, especially specifically in the microdose is like a supplement and, um, how can it enhance my physical and mental experience? I mean, that's, that's kind of how I'm thinking of it. Would you say that's exactly right? Kind of what you're saying? That's exactly right. Yeah. So what do you, what conditions as a coach, um, what kind of conditions, again, once somebody's screened and you're getting to know somebody, what kind of things might 
someone um, be experiencing that, that, that microdosing might be helpful for? Yeah, well, mood, mood enhancement, uh, feeling more connected, feeling less anxiety, feeling less depression. And it's not just about um, repressing or suppressing anxiety or, or depression. It's about being more equipped to integrate those feelings into your life in a way that you can use that energy uh, as fuel for transformation. And so there's, that's, that's the number one thing is creating better context and feeling more equipped to handle the energy that our psyche puts forth, things that seem overwhelming. It could be the urge to drink alcohol at night, you know, and then and, and mm -hmm. having the energy of the, the psilocybin in your system, for example, could give you the, a little bit of that boost to say, you know what? I don't want that drink. You know, I want to choose a different outcome. I want a different life and, and holding that vision. So when people are typically working with me, it's, um, it's not because they're so ill that they're trying to just get back to a healthy baseline, but rather I work with a lot of people that we would consider very functional, high achievers, um, from the outside mm -hmm. looking in, they have it all, uh, they're crushing life. And yet when you peek behind the curtains, you know, there might be a sense of sadness or there might be a sense of emptiness or lack of purpose or just feeling like, is this it is, you know, can't there be more? Mm -hmm. And so what we, what we will work with, with the psychedelics it, and certainly with microdosing is to start integrating practices to develop right relation with all the feelings that are present, the good, the bad, the ugly, those that we might, might have been repressing or suppressing uh, and those that you know, are now asking and in inviting us to work with so that again, we can alchemize them into fuel for transformation, but it's across the board. I mean, I've seen it, people, like I said, depression, anxiety, um, lack of motivation, mm -hmm. um, lack of clarity mm -hmm. of purpose. And just, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a, it's, it's really about living your best life. And it feels like that's what people ultimately want to do is they want to individuate. They want to be the best that they can be. And, you know, I think these medicines can be one tool of, of many tools to be effective at helping facilitate that. I, I love the way you've just described that. And, you know, when you talk about mood and anxiety and depression and you look at what the alternative is, what people are doing, well, they're either self-medicating with alcohol or some other, you know, prescription benzodiazepine or something, you know. They're either self-medicating or they go to their doctor and they're medicating with um, antidepressants, you know, other kinds of anti-anxiety pills, which actually do numb mm -hmm. and hide the feeling. They they dull it down, and um, and they're addictive, and um, they don't address anything about the root cause whatsoever. And it actually just, I mean, it might make you temporarily feel better. I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, but it's not addressing the underlying, um, you know, issue. And, um, you know, what you're talking about, what microdosing could look at is, is allowing you to be with these feelings and have them be a little bit more, 
electric, not electric, that's not the right word, a little more present or a little more some, you know, way for you to be able to be with them a little bit so that you can process and, and work through and check out and kind of swim in and, you know, um, you know, get to the other side, you know, it's like a tool. Mm -hmm. It's like an actual tool as opposed to what a lot of our medical system is, which is a bunch of band-aids, a bunch of band-aids that cause additional wounds and additional side effects that then you need other band-aids for. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, so this is what I'm really fascinated about with microdosing psychedelics when you're talking about mood and anxiety and depression, because so many people, I don't know if antidepressants are the, one of the, it's got to be one of the top five um, prescribed medications in the United States. I mean, it feels like so many people are on antidepressants and, uh, you know, it's, this is such an amazing opportunity to take a completely different approach to, you know, feelings, Yeah. you know, and, yeah. and being, go ahead. Yeah. What's coming up for me is I'm thinking about the, the Netflix series, how to change your mind, which is based on the book by Michael Pollan, how to change your mind. And mm -hmm. there's a scene in there where someone who's participating in the MDMA therapy describes his experience. And this is not a microdose to be clear. This is, you know, he's in a macro dose. He's in a therapeutic environment, but he says about the experience, you know, I was, a, I was able to go and be with sadness without being lost in the sadness. You know, I could feel it without getting lost in it. And that's what we're hoping for is to develop new relationships with feelings that are present. And it could be very old feelings, you know, feelings that might even predate our conscious memories that, you know, mm. uh, are, are dictating, you know, how we respond and how we show up in certain situations. And so what happens when we're microdosing or when we're, we're sitting with, um, larger amounts of the medicine is we're, we're, we're hoping that we can um, uh, practice neuroplasticity or we can create neuroplasticity. We can fire new neurons and then with neurogenesis and then new neural connections through neuroplasticity. And so this, you know, this ability to, to stimulate parts of the mind that might be unused and not accessed and to stimulate new neuronal connections is happening in these full cer ceremonies with larger amounts of medicine. And so the hypothesis is that even at the very smaller amounts, the sub-perceptual amounts, when we have it in our system and we're working with it in our daily life, that that will enable us to have a similar impact where we can be with the feelings, but not be with them in the same way, with the same relationship that we've habitually become adjusted to. And so, you know, and, and to do so in a way that doesn't seem so intimidating or overwhelming or um, doesn't foster so much shame and self-shame and judgment, right? Mm. So, so that's what's happening mm -hmm. is, is these feelings are an invitation and the feelings are not mm -hmm. the problem. They're a symptom. You know, they are a symptom. They're a sign. They're an invitation to be, uh, to be played with and looked at. And, and that's what I think is, is necessary with this, what we'll call the psychedelic renaissance is a cultural shift. You know, it's a cultural shift mm -hmm. where we are not just popping a pill and the pill is solving our problems, but we are working with our own psyche, mm -hmm. you know, with tools, with tools. And the tool doesn't have to be a psychedelic. A tool can be 
meditation. It can be, you know, just simply yeah. being out in nature. It can be healthy lifestyle changes, yeah. but with the right tools, we want to take a responsibility for our own healing. Well, and that's the invitation in this cultural shift that I think psychedelics are hopefully going to help facilitate. And that's what I'm about bringing in is, is telling, I tell every single one of my clients, it's, it's, I mean, I could probably get it stamped on my forehead, like psychedelics won't work unless you do the work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every, uh, I wish everything you just said was so like, just, I could feel it. I'm, I'm just loving everything that you just said in that statement, but feelings are an invitation. I mean, how beautiful is that? I mean, we, in our, I feel like in our culture, we are, you know, first of all, we're not, we're not given skills to deal with uncomfortable feelings. Um, we're not given the tools of breathing, of meditation, of, of con conversing with somebody we trust about our feelings, you know, and, and that feelings are okay. And how about let's do some movement and let's whatever, like there's so many tools to, um, to, to be with and process and, you know, just really be with, but I love that feelings are an invitation, right? It's like you have the feeling, whatever it's good, bad, or you don't even have to label it, whatever it's, the feeling comes up and it is an invitation to look at what is coming up for you and where, you know, you know, what is that? And, um, I love that, as you said, this is a cultural shift and I see it as, as one too, away from the numbing and the shame and the escapism instead looking at all of these tools where we can actually sit with it and 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 be a little uncomfortable be i mean can can we as freaking human beings be uncomfortable for 5 minutes can you please uh, you know and it's okay you're not going to die you know uh to and i just so i just love that and then lastly what you said about taking responsibility. You know, I, I'm a huge, this is one of my big focuses, you know, in my life is thinking about and talking about how we are responsible for our reality and our experience and our healing. And like, you know, we, we can, we have so many tools available to us and Microdosing psychedelics is is a burgeoning area where we're really. I'm hoping we're gonna, as a society, gonna be able to to utilize these therapies, you know, legally at some point, um, and 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 incorporate it into our sense of responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, for our life instead of giving up our responsibility to physicians you know, in, from traditional medical school or to a government or large, you know, governmental health organizations. Like, what is mm. that even? So, yeah. I mean, that was just so beautiful, John, and what a great explanation and how microdosing can be, you know, used as um, a tool and I also, you, you, you kind of answered the question I was going to ask you, which is what is the working theory as to why microdosing works? And, and I think that's beautiful what you said that, you know, um, by a little bit, a little bit at a time, you're able to kind of let it create, you know, let it settle into mm -hmm. you and just let it kind of do its magic a little bit, as long as you're doing the work. Mm -hmm. 
I think that's, you know, so, so important. Um, anything you want to else you want to add just about this piece of the conversation? Well, I mean, this piece of the conversation is so important because ultimately if we don't take responsibility for ourselves uh, and our own healing, we're always, you know, going to be at the whims of that, which is beyond our control. And, and, you know, I think the most empowering belief is to believe that we are responsible for our own healing and that we are our own gurus. And so I think, you know, again, just to reiterate, you know, you, if you pop a psilocybin microdose and sit in front of the TV and binge watch, you know, old episodes of Cheers, you're not going to see a lot of growth. You know, you're not going to see a lot of transformation that you might be trying to call in. Um, and, and I love old episodes of Cheers, but, you know, there's a time and a place for it. And there's a time and a place for your healing. And, and ultimately, when people are undertaking a microdosing protocol, you know, it is typically what we're seeing is it is in conjunction with clear intentions to bring about some positive transformation in their life. And, you know, there's no, no, you know, no toxicity known for LSD. And by the way, you know, you said earlier, psilocybin is a plant. I mean, psilocybin is a fungus and I know you know that, but it's, you know, I don't want you to get any angry hate mail from, from uh, yeah, the mushroom sorry, lovers sorry. out there. And, you know, so, and, and I think yeah. LSD, it's important to note that it is a synthesized fungus. It's the ergo fungus. Uh, which grows on wheat. And so, you know, very similar qualities, um, but, but also, you know, some key differences between those two medicines. But when people are sitting down and they're microdosing with them, uh, you know, these, these are non-toxic, safe uh, substances. And again, the effects at these doses are sub-perceptual, you know, it's not overt. And so what I'm, you know, I know what's brought us together in our friendship was our support for microdosing and to support legalizing microdosing and to support, you know, taking this, this idea that we have to look outside of ourselves or to someone in a white uh, lab coat, you know, to, to heal us and rather say so we can take responsibility for our own healing and in that paradigm shift where we say we're going to take responsibility for our own healing we have these tools, these tools that are safe, that are non-toxic, that are not, you know, going to put you out of sorts where you can't do everything that you would normally do in your normal work day, whether it's, you know, talk to your boss or watch your kids or drive your car. And they're, they're powerful and impactful. And we're only starting to learn exactly how they work in the mind and all that research is underway. But we do know with a, a pretty large body of evidence that they're safe. And for that reason, right. you know, there's no societal reasons, you know, no reason from a, from, from a safety standpoint, health and safety standpoint of either the person who's microdosing or the people around them, why this should not be a legal, legally allowed practice. And I think that's really important to put out into the space is that we have to advocate and fight for that right now. Otherwise, what is going to happen is we are going to see the same old paradigm from Western healthcare applied to what we see here in this resurgence in psychedelic health. And that is, you got to go through the gatekeeper, you know, you got to, you know, be in a clinic, you got to have it administered from someone who, you know, has gone to medical school. And that's just not how the psychedelic uh, ecosystem has existed for the last 50 years. And what we've seen is in a more um, underground or even indigenous or traditional culture is we see it culture and support amongst the community. 
and we see the fabric of the community that like holds people together, these small groups that get together for he healing circles and integration groups and you know traditional communities, this is what facilitates the healing is the connection. And the more we're understanding about addiction and depression, it's about not feeling connected to people and the world around you. And that's one of the key takeaways, you know, of sitting in a, a, a ceremony with, with psychedelics is you're like, holy cow, I, in a very real, visceral, and yet ineffable sense, feel more connected to the world around me than I ever have. And that in and of itself, you know, addresses the root of depression as opposed to simply masking the symptoms such as an SSRI. So, you know, a long-winded way of me saying that I think the point is, is that personal accountability is so important and having conversations around the paradigm shift that we need where people are, again, taking accountability for their own health and healing and psychedelics helps foster and support that conversation. I mean, I, I absolutely love what you said about connection. I also agree with you that I think the cause of much of our suffering in, in society is our disconnection to community, disconnection to the earth, disconnection to others, and also disconnection to our own bodies. I believe that is the source of probably much of the, the disease and, and, um, you know, evil of the world is this sense of disconnection. Um, and, uh, you know, the way the the benefits that we're talking about that you can get from um microdosing psychedelics it's it's like there are so many benefits so many potentially life-changing beneficial transformative benefits and literally zero potential negative side effects that it's like it is mind-boggling that this is just not fast-tracked to legalization it, it is so frustrating, and I know you feel frustrated as well, as to why these substances continue to be classified as what, I don't even know what the classification is, but it's like the same as heroin, right? I mean, it's, 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 right. it's totally illegal and it doesn't make any sense. And, and in, the more we know, the less sense it makes. And um, you know, for people that even have to say, well, we need more research. We don't really know. Well, actually we do, because we can go back to the fifties and sixties and see thousands of research studies and clinical trials that were, uh, that were done at that time. And we know that the efficacy is real and it, it makes sense from a political perspective. And certainly from a cultural perspective, it's what Terrence McKenna said, you know, these compounds, psychedelics are not illegal because we're the government's trying to protect us it's they're illegal because they dissolve you know uh, they dissolve um uh they dissolve uh traditional structures and allow us to ask questions and to see you know different paradigms i'm that butchering his quote i mean that's a very loose paraphrase but it's you know ultimately they are dangerous to established hierarchies and you know i think we'd all agree that there are some hierarchies in our world today that you know need to be reevaluated and and i think we're in the process of doing that and of course you know from a societal cultural perspective that's always a long and painful and arduous process it seems but i do think that psychedelics and an awakening that can occur uh, in conjunction with this psychedelic renaissance if you will is that it could help speed that process in a way that's beneficial for all of humanity
Yeah. I mean, we're not trying to understate this at all, you and I. We're not trying to understate that this is like can change the world, like change the world type stuff. Like, But only if we change ourselves. And that's the place to start. And I think that's, you know, super important to underscore that is, you know, yes, let's not understate anything. Let's, let's be bold and let's be, be loud and brash, but, and, you know, let's turn it back around on ourselves and focus like, where can I do the work? You know, I can do the work on myself. Well, that's it. We absolutely, you have to have the focus on yourself. I mean, that's it. It's like, know that this is possible, that this, this cultural shift, this societal shift is possible on a macro level. And then right away, just look at yourself right now. And then that's your job. Your job is you with the awareness of how that will affect the collective. Yeah. Right. I mean, okay. I know people are going to want to know what, what you're talking about as far as what you're talking about a microdosing protocol, a schedule, a coach. Can you explain what these things are? So, uh, people are aware. Sure. A protocol is what medicine am I taking? How much am I taking? How often am I taking it? How long? am I taking it? So it's just a schedule is what a a protocol is. And I think it'd probably be helpful for anyone that's interested in microdosing to know that for psilocybin, there's a couple of different protocols that are standard. Um, Paul Stamets, who's a famous mycologist, uh, developed a protocol called what he calls the Stamets stack. But the schedule is in essence to take psilocybin for four days in a row and then take three days off. And to repeat that schedule for anywhere from four to six weeks. And so that would be one way that you would administer uh, psilocybin in a microdosing protocol. Now, LSD, which is another very popular, and let's just talk about LSD and psilocybin because those are the two most popular uh, compounds to, uh, to microdose. LSD, you develop a tolerance very quickly. It's, it, comes into your system. And if you use it one day, the second day, you'd have to do a lot more to feel the same effect. So from a microdosing perspective, doing it four days in a row doesn't make a lot of sense. And so James Fadiman, who's a psychedelic researcher uh, and uh, author, wrote the Psychedelic Explorers Guide, which is a fantastic read, has a ton of research harking, uh, harkening back to the 50s and 60s. And he developed what's called the Fadiman protocol, and it's primarily for LSD, but sometimes people will do this for psilocybin as well. But with LSD, you do one day on, two days off, one day on, two days off, and then repeat that for four to six weeks. And that would be a protocol that someone could implement when they want to work with LSD in a microdosing uh, fashion. So... So those are two two protocols. You know, other protocols that exist would be every other day. You know, uh, taking a day off and then taking another one, and and so, and then there's something called intuitive protocol where someone might just microdose just when they feel like it, and and not necessarily have a set schedule. One piece of advice that I give to to all my clients, and I'd sell to all your listeners, is I believe that microdosing on a strict schedule is the most impactful way to see positive benefits accumulate in your life. I think there's a compound effect when you are working with a medicine consistently. It feels like after two, three, four weeks, you really start to gain additional accrual of benefit that you don't get when you're just microdosing haphazardly. And what I've found is, you know, if you're just intuitive in your microdosing, what happens is sometimes we select these days that aren't very 
difficult or arduous for us to microdose. So I'll give you an example. It's like I had a client. She's like, well, I just kind of microdose when I feel like it. Like if I'm taking the dog to the dog park and it's like, okay, cool. Like you're not really growing if you're taking your dog to the dog park on a microdose. So you might have a, a great experience. You might feel really good, might feel nice. But what what we know is in, in optimal human performance, growth occurs at an edge and edges are sharp there's or they could be sticky but they're difficult at the edges and when we microdose on a strict schedule and then we go about our day we give the presentation at work we are hanging with the kids we're you know doing everything that we have to we, we're do, writing the report or whatever it is and if we're doing that when we're microdosing we're giving ourselves a chance to really be at our edge to to grow at our edge and that's when i think the the benefit of the medicine is most pronounced because you know, that's where you can push past maybe those old neuronal connections and start to develop new ones, you know, neurogenesis and, and neuroplasticity, you know, starts to take hold. So you only get that if you are consistent in your protocol and actually taking the medicine consistently, uh, as opposed to just deciding when to do it haphazardly, in which case it feels like it's more of a recreational uh, outcome mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, mm -hmm. diligent um, growth. And you, you, you work as a coach. Can you explain, um, what that means? What is your role as a coach and how does that work? Yeah. So a lot of my coaching is just making sense of the experience whether it be, um, you know, a full experience where someone has been guided into a, um, you know, a full, um, you know, ceremony type, you know, they've sat with three, four five grams of psilocybin, or if it's just a microdosing experience, there's still a lot to integrate. And so what is the framework for that integration? For me, it's um, understanding the latest on the neurobiology and neuroscience of flow and how to get into flow states. Flow is just an optimal state of awareness where you perform and feel your best. It's like being in the zone um, is another another name for it. And what we've learned is that if you get your biology to work for you and you're kind of checking the boxes of things that, that need to be checked in order to get into that state, then you can reliably produce flow states and you can feel and perform better uh, and push past, you know, boundaries of what you thought might be possible for yourself. So when someone is in a state where they're work, looking to work with tools as powerful as psychedelics, you know, they're in a state of calling in transformation and growth. And so I'm helping create the context around the work that they're doing with psychedelics through the framework of how to get into flow states. Then also I'm heavily influenced by depth psychology, Carl Jung. What we realize is mm -hmm. scientists will tell us 90 to 95% of our daily actions are driven by habit, which is another way of saying that it's mm -hmm. just driven by our unconscious, right? We, our unconscious mm -hmm. has an enormous impact on our life. And in the work of Carl Jung, um, it, he explores the importance of making the unconscious conscious because if you don't, you know, forever will it rule your life and you'll call it fate. And so in this work where we are making the unconscious conscious through our work with psychedelics, we, we want to make sense of what we're, what we're feeling and, you know, the revelations that we're having and many of the revelations, if you will, or many of the, the feelings and energies from our unconscious are not specific only to us. In fact, they are universal. 
they are universal across mankind in every culture, tradition, society, um, and civilization. And this is our collective unconscious. And so these themes, these what are called archetypes, are really important to understand and then explore and to bring in as a reference for developing understanding around what's coming up in the unconscious, because then you can alchemize that energy again into energy for transformation. So that's another big part of what I'm doing with my clients is that making the unconscious conscious and and providing context for the the, the, the bitter and the sweet in life that's happening mm. right now uh, in this beautiful journey. And that's, I mean, intuitively, that's, that's kind of what I do. I could go on and on, but I'll mm -hmm. stop there for feedback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that it's such, um, I mean, it seems to me this must be like a new field, a new profession. I mean, to be, um, you know, a microdosing coach and to lead people through their journeys and their transformation and how wonder, I mean, I think with anything in life, if you want to, if you want to maximize your, your impact on anything you're doing, always work with a coach. It's, it's like, you're going to get the most out of personal training with a coach or, um, you know, if you want to learn how to sing, you're going to get a coach, you know, or really play a wonderful instrument. And it's like, um, this is an awesome opportunity, especially for people who, you know, this is all new to them to have somebody just hold their hand through this experience and, and guide them and lead them and hold space, right. Just mm -hmm. create a container that they can experience this in, um, and, and help them process things that maybe they're not used to dealing with or, or processing. So what a wonderful gift you are, um, to, to, I'm sure so many people, um, you know, it's kind of, I'm sure people are at, when they're listening to this, they're going to be thinking, wait a minute, all this is illegal. Like, how is this even possible? You know, how do, how are people, you know, microdosing with psilocybin and, and, um, you know, I mean, we should at least address the fact that there are mil there are many, I don't know if it's millions, but there's many people working with, with, uh, psychedelics at the microdose and the mini dose and the macrodose and, and it's illegal. So could you just address simply like how pe people, it's an underground thing, right? People just, just the way they used to get weed when weed was illegal. <laughs> I don't know. Or they grow it themselves or what? A lot of people. How, yeah. I mean, it's community. And what we see these, you know, yeah. networks that you, you know, somebody that's um, people know people and they, they find the medicine and, you know, what you're looking for oftentimes, you know, when you start to look it, it'll appear when you're ready. And so, mm. you know, there's an enormous, mm. there's an enormous amount of interest in psychedelics for all the reasons that we spoke about earlier in the podcast. And, you know, people are doing their homework and they're going out and they're trying to find it and they are. And then when, you know, so, some of them then are not just taking matters into their own hands, but are working with coaches or guides or facilitators or healers, you know, to help get the most out of the experience. And that's where I come in, you know, so I, I just want to help people. I, I believe firmly in developing the culture around um, use of psychedelics to be one of harm reduction, safety uh, and transparency. And so, you know, I, I'm here, to, you know, my heart called me to this, to this yeah. profession and I, I'm used to walking people through financial transactions and, you know, getting businesses financed and helping entrepreneurs raise money. And, you know, that's what I always done my entire career. 
you know, is, is business and corporate development. And so for me, I just realized it's a process, whether we're walking through a financial transaction or a transaction, so to speak, you know, where we're trying to develop ourselves uh, to be more than we, we currently are, um, you know, to have higher levels of happiness, satisfaction, joy, and fulfillment. You know, it's a process. Everything's a process. Even, even a, you know, a psychedelic experience, you know, we, we sometimes think we put so much emphasis on the ceremony, you know, the, the singular experience where we sit with the medicine, but mm -hmm. even then it's a process, it's a process of integration. And, you know, that process oftentimes looks like work, uh, but you know, it's, there's ways to work smarter, not harder. You know, there are frameworks for understanding, um, expanded realms of consciousness. And that's what I try to try to do is just bring that into uh, the awareness of my clients and help guide them through this for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also not advocating, and I'm not advocating that anyone do anything illegal. <laughs> so absolutely, you do that, that's your decision. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that anybody should do anything no. and I'm not saying psychedelics are for everybody. Certainly I'm not, you know, painting a broad brush saying psychedelics for all, like absolutely not. I think it's really important to have discernment and around if, you know, these might be good tools for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to echo your statement. I'm, I'm not advocating that people do anything illegal as well. And also I do not believe that any medicine is, is right for everyone. That would be crazy to think any medicine would be appropriate for every person. Um, as you mentioned earlier, everything is individualized as it should be. Our nutrition, our exercise schedule, our our self care program, you know, um, and and any medicines, whether they're you know natural medicines or whether they're in the lab or whether they're doctor prescribed, um, should all be very very carefully considered. And what we are talking about, these are illegal. So, um, but it is happening. So we are just talking about what is in fact happening in the world and shedding some light to it, which I think is so important. Now, talking about the illegality, um, the way we met is through an organization called the Microdosing Collective, which is a nonprofit organization with the goal of, um, well, ultimately, ultimately to legalize microdosing um, and access and education to the benefits of microdosing um, psychedelics. Um, and you are a part of, you've been a part of, can you share about your experience with that organization and, and what, what you're up to? Yeah, the organization I became involved about six months ago. Uh, I know the founders and kind of came in to help as an advisor to help stand up what is, I think, a very valiant and timely effort to create a community around microdosing so that we can advocate for regulations that makes sense and incorporate how microdosing and how psychedelic use is occurring in the world today what we don't want to see happen is these these tools are locked in clinics and can only be accessed by people with insurance um, and only you know with clinical conditions that um, call for you know large you know maybe large doses macro doses what we see is that microdosing can be a very impactful tool and so we want to advocate for over-the-counter uh, microdosing supplements to be available. We want to advocate for regulations that make sense. And that's exactly what we're doing. And we're in the middle of our founding membership drive right now and our year-end fundraise. Uh, our hope is to 
you know, not only educate the public on why these uh, regulations are needed and why microdosing can be impactful and, and to develop research to further finance and, and develop the research that's already occurring around microdosing, but then also to you know, be able to have conversations with lawmakers and regulators about, hey, this is what your constituents want. I mean, this is how you know, we can make the biggest impact and do the best good in the world is by incorporating microdosing into any psychedelic legalization uh, framework. That's awesome. Um, it's such an important organization. I feel so lucky to be a part of it. And I encourage anyone that's interested in just learning more about what is happening in the world of microdosing psychedelics, legal, uh, the, the, the health benefits. Um, well, I'll put the link in the show notes to, to, uh, find the microdosing collective. Um, and obviously information about how to find you, um, get for, more information about what you do. And also there's an awesome podcast called into the multiverse, which is kind of how I even heard about, um, the microdosing collective and, and then how I met you. So I'm going to put that in the show notes as well, because that's a really, really cool podcast. That's like everything mushrooms, um, and really everything psychedelics, but it's, it's mostly focused on mushrooms and just every aspect. If you really want to just learn about this fungus, as I was corrected, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you could check that out as well. So what, what, as we close here, John, what else do you think, you know, is there anything else you want to put out there in the world right now about what we're up to or what you're up to or what, what's going on with this subject? Mm. Support the microdosing collective. You know, Joanna, I'm so glad that you jumped in with both feet and uh, became a founding member and your support means a lot to us. I appreciate you, you know, carrying the banner uh, even beyond your support of the organization, just having me on the podcast and, you know, having these conversations in your communities. You said earlier that, you know, we, you know, we have some overlapping community, but then also, you know, we run in different circles, but whether it's my circle, your circle, uh, or someone who's listening, you know, there are people that are engaged in healing and, you know, want to live more fulfilling, happier more enjoyable lives. And, you know, we have the ability as trailblazers in this, this space to help shape the culture that is going to inform, you know, the, um, what the, you know, this healing process can look like. And it's, these decisions are being made right now, uh, with Colorado mm -hmm. recently passing prop 122 legalizing or decriminalizing psychedelics and setting in path, uh, regulations for the, for clinical, um, plant medicine administration. I mean, there's a ton of opportunity right now. Oregon did it last year. So over the next few years, more states are going to be putting in place frameworks for legal psychedelics. And we need to be, you know, having these conversations about what this ecosystem is going to evolve into, what this industry uh, might look like, and, and how it's going to best serve the interests of all stakeholders. And so I just appreciate you for having that conversation. I would tell anyone out there, you know, to go out and support the microdosing collective, microdosingcollective.org mm -hmm. is our website. It's a great resource for education. It's a great resource for community. Uh, we're hosting events in different cities 
uh, and building awareness and momentum for our cause. And we would love for any of your listeners to be involved. Go sign the manifesto. Even if you, know, you don't want to donate anything, you can just sign the manifesto and pledge your support that you know, perhaps microdosing has been impactful for you. And you know, these, these statements of support all help. Um, we're building momentum, building a movement. So I think that's, um, that's my message. It's just get involved. Awesome. John, thank you so much. Thank you for your commitment to not only your own growth, but the, the transformation of other people and the utilization of the tools, all the tools that we have access to and just being a stand for that in the world. And um, I look forward to, you know, having more conversations in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.